I'm hanging in there, right? I'm hanging in there with Justin Fields because again, those flashes of brilliance, I cannot get out of my brain. He just, it's, it's like golf. Again, it's like the golf game thing. It's like you hit a couple shots that keep you coming back and I, I can't not want to come back for Fields because those plays on the final drive he made, it's like, oh God, I love this kid. I'm rooting for him. Bears fans holding out hope that Justin Fields is the guy that Ryan Poles, the new GM, should build around here in the future. Got to hold the rope this week. That was a rough outing on Thursday. Justin Fields did himself no favors. We'll get into that here in just a little bit. But first and foremost, it's the Bears Wire podcast. Welcome into the show. Alyssa, how you doing? I I could feel the frustration in your words, I guess, after that Thursday night game last week, right? Like one of the worst losses we've had since we started doing the show. It's been in like three years now, right? This is one of the worst losses we've ever had to cover. Like we're we, we're, we're going to be on here trying to figure out how the Bears lost. It was just like they just literally gave this one away. Saying it's the worst loss we've ever covered is saying something, too, with this team. So how you doing? I, I could feel the frustration after the game. You were not happy. Yeah, no, this is one of those games where I feel like after that Giants game, I'm like, man, you can't lose worse than that. Or the Vikings, like how they continue just to fumble away victory. But no, 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 no. The here come the Bears losing to a very bad commander's team scoring a season low seven points against the worst team that they've played this year. It's just like the bears continue to find new heartbreaking ways to lose. Um, but I mean, after, you know, a nice enjoyable weekend where a lot of my sports teams, when I got to enjoy some great football, you know, Hey, I'm back and, and uh, re-energized and ready to go for another primetime game. My goodness. Why does the NFL keep doing this to us? Yes. Putting the bears in prime time against my Patriots. I'm, I'm of course, I'm a Patriots fan, so we should have some fun talking about that matchup here coming up a little bit. Uh, that voice, of course, the one you just heard was Alyssa Barbieri. She is the managing editor of USA Today's Bears Wire. I'm Ryan O'Leary playing host, as usual. And to any new listeners to the program, welcome in. We appreciate you, and don't forget to support us by hitting that subscribe button. But that's enough pleasantries, Alyssa, right? Here's where I want to start. You're going to be really surprised and shocked about where I want to start. How about Justin Fields? How's that sound? Oh, oh yeah, we've never <laughs> talked about that before. Justin Fields. Justin <laughs> Fields. Um, I feel like Thursday night illuminated something we've talked about in the past and something I've kind of beat the drum on a little bit going back to last year. It's kind of a harsh reality, right? We always spend time on here, on Twitter, and other people we kind of nod along with when they say, if you think Justin Fields is the problem, you're missing the point, right? Because there's always been all these other extending factors around why Fields is struggling. And, and we've all kind of gone to bat for Justin Fields for good reason. And he's not the problem. I'm not coming on here saying he is the problem, but I am going to just remind everyone again, and I think Thursday night highlighted it. He's, he's part of the problem, right? He's complicit, Alyssa, the way he's playing football right now. He will have these moments that just take your breath away. I mean, these undeniable flashes of brilliance, like, like the play at the end of the game where you just think it's over. The, the Bears are doing all kinds of weird stuff on offense, right? It's like, just run the clock out, guys. What are we doing? And then Fields makes this brilliant play. They're down near the goal line. It's like, whoa, oh, God, you know, what happened? He is brilliant. And this is why we're here. This is why we keep talking about him. This is why we do want Ryan Poles to build around the kid because he does have something. Uh, but I keep going back to this. It's like my golf game, Alyssa, right? Over the course of 18 holes, it's just not good. It's horrible. It's not even worth keeping score. But there are three or four gorgeous shots that keep me from leaving my clubs on the curb when I get home. You know what I mean? There's these three shots that just keep me coming back. And that's the field's experience for me right now, right? 
there are these just brilliant moments like that throw to Dante Pettis that you didn't see coming or the play at the end of the ball game where it's like, yep, this is my guy. But then there's these other plays that happen, which we're going to get into where it's just like, man, Justin, there's really simple football plays that he's just not making right now. And that's frustrating. Yeah, no, you hit the nail on the head because, I mean, we need to kind of sit back and remember that, you know, quarterback development and just NFL development in general isn't linear. And you see cases where some young quarterbacks succeed immediately. I mean, it's been really frustrating this season to watch Justin Fields regress because, I mean, that's that you have to call it as it is. He's regressed this season. Uh, but like you said, he does have these plays where you're like, wow, yeah, this kid has it. He has that it factor and he really has the potential to be a great quarterback in this league. But again, it's going to take some time, you know, and it's going to take a little help around him. You know, like you said, you know, Fields does deserve some of the blame here because, like you said, uh, there are some um, some plays that he made, including missing a wide open Ryan Griffin for a touchdown, which I was just kind of just banging the table like, no. And I Mm -hmm. I felt like the game was lost right there. Like it's those moments, you know, how they build when like little things aren't going right. You're like, oh, no, that's it. Even though there's plenty of game to go. It's just like, no, you know, that's it. You can't. That felt like an opportunity. I mean, the red zone offense went 0 for 3 inside the 5-yard line. You can't do that, not against a bad commander's team. Um, But yeah, at the same time, I think it's fair, and you have to acknowledge the fact that Fields doesn't have the talent around him. And, you know, that's, I think that's, I know we're going to talk about this a little bit later probably, um, about with Ryan Poles and what he's done, you know, with the roster, but, you know, it's kind of by design. Uh, You hope that, you know, in the future that, you know, he gets the talent around him. But when you look at the offensive line, which, I mean, you, they're down their best offensive uh, offensive lineman in Cody Whitehair, who I think still has a cu- another couple of weeks before he can come off of IR, assuming that he's healthy. And Tevin Jenkins has been your best offensive lineman. Sam Mustafer, even though he didn't have a terrible game, uh, he didn't have a good game either. Uh, against Commanders, The um, in total, Fields was pressured 18 times, sacked five. Again, some of that was on him. Uh, and you still have Luke Getze, who, you know, he took a step back too after a really solid game against the Vikings. You know, he's part of the problem as well. And, you know, Darnell Mooney, you know, he had a good game. Dante Pettis had a good game. But again, when Mooney, you have him dropping uh, or bobbling, I should say, a touchdown there in the end to win it on fourth down. If Darnell Mooney wants to be a top receiver, a wide receiver one, he has to make that play. And you saw Fields after the fact, just like, Wow, like what is going on? It's written all over his face, right? Yeah. Um, Just why? He's like, I didn't, he's, and this is someone who has never, he hasn't experienced loss uh, at the collegiate level, the high school level. And, you know, he's learned pretty quickly in uh, less than a year and a half here in Chicago that, you know, things can get pretty ugly. And now the hope is that Fields will make some kind of, continue to make a little progress here and there because you can see that there is progress being made. But, at the same time, it's fair. And we've talked about this in the past, Ryan, and, and last week too, uh, or, or a couple weeks ago, where you know it is fair to also be concerned about his development, that he's going to develop bad habits uh, for some of the circumstances that he's been in. So, I mean, this is not a good game. I mean, we, we recorded, we had a, the podcast last week, remember? We were talking about, man, this is going to have a short shelf life when we recorded. We were going on and on about you know how Justin Fields took the step forward in his development and you know, we were really riding that high and that lasted four days. And now it's kind of, I guess we're kind of seeing that it's going to be a little bit of both, you know, one step forward, two steps back kind of thing. And you really hope at some point that you start to see it click a little bit because 
like we've mentioned, Fields is to blame for some of his shortcomings. You know, he still looks uh, uncomfortable back there. He really needs to just start ripping it a little bit. And, but also he does need help around him. And, you know, it's fair to say that Fields is part of the problem, but so is the entire situation. Everyone holds blame here. 100%. Yeah. It's, it's not just on Justin, but I just, we, he is complicit, right? That's, that's kind of what my, yes. my point was. He's complicit, right? Um, I mean, we have an 18 game sample size. I know, I understand why he's looking like that when, when Mooney can't corral that ball right in the, right on the pylon. He's got the touchdown. If you could just squeeze it, Alyssa can't quite get it. And it's written all over Justin's face. And it's like, he he's going through it, right? 18 game sample size. Now I know he, maybe he hasn't started all 18 games, but he's played in 18 games. His completions percentage is still at 57.7. It's not good, right? In the NFL standards nowadays, that's bad. He's been sacked, Alyssa, 59 times in 18 games. 59 times in 18 games. Is that even possible? How can that happen? And he's thrown 15 picks in 18 games, right? And one of them, uh, you know, I want to point to when we go back to the Thursday night, right? Yeah, play calling has been an issue. Guys dropping passes has been an issue. Lack of weapons. That is all very valid. But none of that made Justin drill a pass off the guy's face from the five-yard line, right? Drilling the pass off the helmet and going to like, what the hell was that? You see that uh, that shot from the end zone from behind him. What an angle that was. Just He just drilled it right in the guy's face. Oh my gosh. I've never seen anything like that, Alyssa. Like, it wasn't like it was a great play by the defense. Washington's defensive line was good in this ball game. Uh, it's not like the guy swatted it or something. It was just Fields drilling it off the guy's face for a, a bad turnover. It was like, what the hell? And again, Ryan Griffin, as you said, they scheme it wide open. I mean, it's not a lack of weapons. It's not play calling when you when you can't hit that guy who's wide open right in front of you. So I'm hanging in there, right? I'm hanging in there with Justin Fields because, again, those flashes of brilliance, I cannot get out of my brain. He just, it's it's like golf. Again, it's like the golf game thing. It's like you hit a couple shots that keep you coming back, and I, I can't not want to come back for Fields because those plays on the final drive he made, it's like, oh, God, I love this kid. I'm rooting for him. But flat out, on a whole, He's got to elevate his play and do the simple stuff better, right, Alyssa? He's just got to, the easy things that we'd expect from him in his second year, we got to see if he's going to become a franchise guy. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, I think he started, what, 16 games now, so it's not even technically an entire season. And we have to remember that, you know, that he's still learning uh, on the fly and also not in the best circumstances. But again, like you said, he has to, he's made some of these mistakes, you know, long, you know, enough to he needs to start learning from it and i know it's the situation makes it makes him uncomfortable you can tell that i i, I don't know something was different in that vikings game obviously he had a little bit better protection so that's why i don't know it's it's patience with him like you said i'm not giving up on him i think it's unfair to i, I mean i said this in the beginning of this like before the season started too with how ryan poles didn't really address receiver or offensive line the way that he needed to to ensure Justin Fields' success in year two. And I, I felt like at that point, I was like, okay, this is not going to be a year where you can fair, uh, fairly uh, evaluate him. And I think that's the thing that is frustrating is that it feels kind of like a lost year. You know, it, it feels like a lost year, but also at the same time, you're worrying about whether, you know, about him regressing. Um, but like you said, he has to do the little things right. I mean, at this point, and I think that he, he'll benefit from additional experience and I think he'll benefit from the roster getting better, but Right now, it's ugly, which we we knew it was going to be, but we didn't know it was going to be this ugly. And I think that's what is kind of so jarring at this point through just six games. And it's a reminder, hey, we got 11 games left, Brian. So 
I mean, hopefully, hopefully we start seeing him trending in the right direction. Right. And, yeah. and so we head into that 2023 off season where uh, things should get a lot better. Yeah. It's just like, we know he can make the crazy play that brings us out of our seats that we weren't expecting, but it's just like, can you just hit Ryan Griffin wide open for the touchdown? You know what I mean? Can <laughs> that, you protect yeah, the football the, in the red that zone? That one and the interception you talked about, I was like, those are the two. I'm like, oh no, this is not it. This is not going to be their game. Yeah. I'm like, I, I still thought they were going to find a way to win, but I'm like, this is not going to be Fields' game. But then he made some of those plays and you want to, like you've been mentioning, see it on a more consistent basis. You don't just want a couple of flashes here and there. You want to see those big plays with a complete game. From him, but again, I think he does need a little bit, a little bit of help as well. But also, he's to, he's at fault as well. Yeah, so I agree with you 100. percent And and was this all by design by the GM Ryan Poles? Is is this playing yeah. out exactly how he wanted it to? We'll get into that in our questions of the week right after this. This is the typical sports book fantasy minute. Let's make this interesting. Interesting. Ori Benini with the Huddle.com here to bring you strong plays for week number seven. Indianapolis Colts quarterback Matt Ryan at the Tennessee Titans. Regardless of what happens with this banged-up backfield, the smartest way to attack this vulnerable defense is through the air. Ryan evidenced this in Week 4 by logging 359 yards, two touchdowns, and 25.4 fantasy points. The Titans have surrendered at least 317 passing yards in four straight games, and every quarterback to face this defense has tossed at least two touchdown passes. No quarterback has thrown more than one interception in this time. Cleveland Browns running back Kareem Hunt at the Baltimore Ravens. This matchup favors pass-catching backs far more than it does those who make their living on the ground, like Hunt's backfield mate Nick Chubb. This is the number six opponent for receptions allowed and number eight for aerial gains over the past five weeks, though none of the 28 total catches since week one found the end zone. The downside here is that Hunt has no more than three catches in five straight games, including none last week, and he topped out at four grabs for 24 yards and a touchdown back in week one. He's somewhat risky, but the upside's tremendous. Wide receiver DJ Moore versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Once again, quarterback PJ Walker steps into the starting lineup this week, and he has a small sample size of targeting Moore. In Walker's 2020 start, he threw 31 times, sending 11 Moore's direction, and the duo connected on 7 of them for 127 yards to pace the team in targets and yardage. Last week, 6 of Moore's targets came from Walker. Tampa's given up the 10th most catches per game to wide receivers in the last 5 weeks, and the position has averaged a touchdown per game over that time. Gerald Everett, Los Angeles Chargers versus Seattle Seahawks. Despite seeing seven looks in week six, Everett's second highest total on the year, it produced only 29 yards on five receptions. While it looks like LA will get Keenan Allen back on the field this week, there's a silver lining here to be found in the matchup itself as Everett's former boss has allowed the most fantasy points to tight ends in the last five weeks. No team has given up more yardage, and this is the third best opponent to face for the odds of scoring a touchdown. Like Kareem Hunt, he's risky, but there's definitely upside at play here. For more award-winning fantasy football tips, news, and advice, please be sure to check out thehuddle.com. That was your typical sportsbook fantasy minute. Win your fantasy football league with thehuddle.com and use them to dominate player prop bets at Typico Sportsbook. For a limited time, new Typico Sportsbook users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See typico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. All right, it's our questions of the week segment. That's three questions for Alyssa. And here's question number one. We'll jump right into it. Uh, I saw this one on Bears Wire. Got me thinking, Alyssa. ESPN's Bill Barnwell, Barwell, I should say, 
He cooked up some hypothetical trades for the Bears. I always like checking these out, uh, including one on David Montgomery, right? So he put out there that maybe maybe a team's willing to give up a fifth-round pick for Montgomery, considering he's in the final year of his rookie deal. He might walk anyway. And you do have Khalil Herbert, who, I mean, he's graded better if you go by the PFF grades, right? Khalil Herbert's having a better season, maybe a better player, a player on the come. So what do you think? If a team wants to trade for David Montgomery and would give up a, a pick, maybe a fifth, a conditional fifth or something like that that could move up to a fourth. I don't know. Would you do it if you're Ryan Poles? Would you ride with Khalil Herbert? Uh, and is Herbert the better of the two backs? What do you think? Yeah, now that's interesting because at the at the start of the season, before I think the season even began, that was you know a valid question. People are wondering, you know, after Khalil Herbert had a solid rookie year when he came in and replaced Montgomery and had a really good uh, four games that, Hey, maybe this is the season where Khalil Herbert emerges as a top back. And then you can move on from David Montgomery. And I mean, they've both been great, I think. And the one thing I will say with Khalil Herbert and probably the reason why I think it's still fair to assume that Ryan Poles might want to bring Montgomery back on an affordable deal is that Khalil Herbert is his deficiencies as a blocker. And and you've seen that when you look at his PFF grade, his lowest grade is going to be in pass protection. Mm. He's just, he's not a good blocker. And that's something where Montgomery is really good at. And he's also good at doing the other things as well. I think that they have a great two headed uh, system with them, that, that running back duo of Montgomery and Herbert. And and we kind of seen it this season where it always feels like one of them is having like that good game right? And it can kind of exchange and kind of go back and forth. And when Montgomery was out, Khalil Herbert stepped up again. And I mean, to get to the, the question about the trade proposal, I mean, that article, you know, Robert Quinn was the one that we've been talking about since the offseason. Yep. But with Montgomery, I think that it all has to do with, does he factor into the future plans? And that's, I think, a question only Ryan Poles can answer at this point. Obviously, if they do make a kind of trade, and I think if he gets the right draft capital and he feels confident enough in Khalil Herbert that, you know, he can improve as a blocker and continue to kind of be a solid back uh, and out of the backfield as well, that maybe that is a move that you make. But again, I think it comes down to is David Montgomery, does he factor into the future plans? Because he has been the most consistent offensive player for the Bears since he arrived here. I think Ryan Poles, when he goes into the offseason, he's looking to oh, obviously overhauling the roster again with all of that with north of $100 million in cap space that, you know, he's going to look to also bring back some of the players that have earned it. And I think David Montgomery is somebody who is not going to cost a whole lot compared to some of the other running backs. So if you can get him at a cheaper price and you know what he brings to the offense and you know you still have Khalil Herbert under contract on a rookie deal, that I think that they would bring him back. But again, if he gets the right compensation for Montgomery – We've seen that Ryan Poles is someone who is willing to trade assets to get draft capital because he wants to build this team through the draft. So, I mean, that's just me, Ryan, basically talking in circles, being like, I have no freaking idea what Ryan Poles is going to do. <laughs> right. We but don't. I can kind None of see do. it going both ways. Yeah, no, that was really interesting commentary, though. I'm glad we, we posed this question because I saw a lot, you know, when Herbert broke that big run on Thursday night, I saw on my Twitter feed a lot of, oh, Herbert's better, Herbert's better. Why doesn't Herbert get more touches? Why do they keep giving it to Montgomery? But the pass protection is something people are maybe aren't paying as much attention to. And that, that makes it make sense. Right. And again, Montgomery is more of a complete back. So you're not just going to give the reins to Khalil Herbert if you have Montgomery uh, healthy. So no, no, that, that was 
very good context there. I think we all learned something there from that, Alyssa. And let's just jump right on to number two. Let's try to guess what Ryan Poles is doing a little bit more, right? Let's speculate there. I know you love, <laughs> you love going to that well. So it's clear the Bears aren't losing on purpose, first of all. We've talked about this on the show in previous episodes, right? We've actually given Matt Eberflus crap. We're like, dude, stop trying to win the game by running the football every single play and, and you know, let Justin Fields throw sometimes, right? We're even being unreasonable as fans, like second-guessing wins. You know, the, the coaches are doing what, what it takes to win in certain games. We're like, why, why aren't you letting Fields throw more? So they're not losing on purpose. We know that. But at times it does feel like it because they lose these games in such spectacular fashion, right, Alyssa, right? Just like, like you said, finding new ways to, to lose in heartbreaking fashion. Is this all going to plan for Ripples, right? Like, and in this question, I'm, I'm saying, is constructing the roster this way with rookies playing in all these prominent roles like left tackle, was the season always designed for it to end in a top 10 pick for the Bears, right? They're right there on the cusp right now at 11th. Maybe they've won more games than they thought they would at this point. I don't know. Uh, but is this all by design by Ryan Poles? Is this working out exactly how we expected? And are we all just left to kind of suffer through it? You know what I mean? Yeah, and no, I think this was the plan all along. I mean, you saw when Ryan Poles came in is, you know, immediately, you know, he wanted to build the roster his way. And that included getting rid of some of these expensive aging veterans, whether it was trading Kilimack or, you know, releasing you know, Danny Trevathan, Eddie Goldman, Trey Cohen, like, you know, and really going, getting young on the roster. And he's trying to get rid of all this debt. He's, a, you know, the whole dead cat money is really piling up for this season. But then we see what it does for 2023, where they have by and far the most salary cap space so far. I think it's $105 million right now, depending on where you look, whether it's over the cap or Spotrack, you know, like they have around $100 million to spend. So this has always been the plan. You know, you saw all of those cheap one-year deals to some of these guys that we've never heard of. And I think that you're start. we knew that the talent deficiency on this roster was going to be an issue. I mean, the only thing I would say that it hasn't gone to plan is the development of Justin Fields. I really think, cause I mean, Ryan Poles is someone who, I mean, he's smart. He knows what he's doing. I think that he, he went out and he was trying to make moves. He thought that the offensive line, at least I, I mean, I really hope he didn't think this, but I yeah. mean, it kind let's of kill like Justin. Had, right? That wasn't the plan. Yeah. I mean, I think he had a lot of, a lot of faith in the coaching staff and in Justin Fields to overcome the deficiencies around him. Cause you really hope that he didn't go into the season and was like, yeah, this offensive line will be good enough for my young quarterback. Yeah. These receivers, these nobody receivers outside of Darnell Moody will be good enough for my quarterback. I think that he really put a lot of faith in the coaching staff and in Luke Getz's system to really help Justin Fields. And I think he really hoped that Justin Fields would also elevate the talent around him. Um, but we're starting to see that the talent deficiency is a really big issue. Um, but outside of that, I think this is going exactly as he planned. Like we talked about a lot this season, this season is not about winning football games. Obviously Matt Eberflus as a head coach wants to win football games. This, the, these players want to win football games, but you have to look at it from a GM's perspective and he's, building for the long term you have to tear it down before you can start building it up and you know that's this is what a rebuild looks like you know we're in the beginning of a rebuild we knew it wasn't going to be pretty but at the same time it's because of justin fields it makes things complicated right because it's not like they're bringing in their own quarterback you know he was already here he's learning his second offense uh in as many years and he's not getting a lot of help around him and there's uh, some obvious concerns but this season was all about de the development of not only fields, but a lot of the young talent in place, these rookies that they have. 
you know, some of these younger guys that are getting one year opportunities, right? You know, who's going to stand out? Who could polls bring back in the future? And I think that I think the assumption, I don't want to say goal, but like the assumption was that the Bears are going to have a top 10 draft pick. And it's definitely trending in that direction. Yeah, I mean, how often do you see rookies playing basically every snap at left tackle, corner and safety? You know, it's like these are big positions. These are important (laughs) positions in football. It is wild. Um, So speaking of just the organization and just the structure of an organization, I know the Bears, you know, there's been a lot of turnover, uh, to say the least, Alyssa, over the last few years, right? With the Bears, new coaches coming in, new coaches going out. Well, what does it say about the Bears? Now, this is my smack talking question. Now, you know, I am a Patriots (laughs) fan. So here's my smack talking question of the week. What does it say about the Bears in the entire operation that Bill Belichick, 70-year-old Bill, I mean, he can, I mean, how much does he really have left, Alyssa, right? Upstairs. Like, he's 70. Bill Belichick, come on. That Bill Belichick can plug in a third-string rookie quarterback. His name is uh, Bailey Zappi. Uh, don't worry if you haven't heard of him. He's an undersized fourth-round pick who played ball at uh, Western Kentucky. Belichick could take that guy, plug him in, and get a 300-yard game at Cleveland this past Sunday, win that one going away, and the Bears can't get Justin Fields to 300 in his whole career so far, Alyssa, right? Two years, 18 games, 16 starts. He hasn't had a 300-yard game yet. Why is Bel- Belichick able to do that with this random quarterback he found at Western Kentucky, fourth-round pick, and we can't get Justin Fields to 300 yards in, a, in, a pa- in passing? We're not seeing it with him. Isn't that frustrating? It is, but at the same time, that's why Belichick is the GOAT. You know what I mean? Like Thank he's, you. That's what I was I mean, there's for. been a Thank lot of discussion. You. I know that you... Uh, have heard it at being a Patriots fan about, you know, Belichick and Tom Brady. And like, you know, was it Tom that really got Belichick to where he was, especially, you know, during the turnover with, you know, during the Cam Newton era and then going into Mac Jones. But at the same time, Bill Belichick is one of the greatest. And interesting enough, you know, he tied George Hallis for the most, uh, uh, for the second most yes, uh, yes. victories as a head coach. And he's going to, <laughs> this is probably giving it away, <laughs> but he's going to beat the Bears and pass Hallis on Monday night. And it just, it just kind of feels Poetic. like, oh man. But I mean, that's what a great head coach, uh, <laughs> one of the best head coaches ever um, can do for your franchise. And that's something the Bears haven't had <laughs> for, for a long, for decades and decades. <laughs> yeah. So are the Bears going to face this Bailey Zappi? You know, if you're watching on Monday Night Football uh, this past week, what, what was that? Chargers, Broncos. They did have a, a graphic previewing Bears, Patriots, and there was Bailey Zappi's face right there, right on there with Matthew Judon. So I, I guess the Monday Night crew thinks Zappi's going to start, but there's that's up in the air. Is it Mac Jones? Is it Bailey Zappi? We'll talk about that, and we'll talk about the spread. The Bears are huge dogs going to Foxborough. More on that game coming up, but first, our friends over at the Bet Slippin Podcast have a play of the week. This is the Tipico Sportsbook Fantasy Minute. Let's make this interesting. Interesting. Hello, everyone. This is Nathan with the Bet Slippin Podcast. Be sure to check out our sportsbook provider, uh, Tipico Sportsbook. All odds are presented by Tipico. Tipico Sportsbook is a global sports betting leader, and they're live in New Jersey and Colorado. Make your favorite sports more interesting with Tipico's fast and easy mobile sportsbook app. New users from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Terms and conditions apply. If you have a gambling problem, please call 1-800-GAMBLER for New Jersey and 1-800-522-4700 for Colorado. You can get your welcome bonus at usabet.com slash podcast. All right, on to our game of the week. It is Chiefs at 49ers. The 49ers, again, three and a half points at home. 
the uh, the Forty Niners are three and one against the spread since twenty twenty as a home underdog, and this is a great buy low spot after they lost to the Falcons. They're number one in sack percentage and number two in opponents' passing yards per game, going against one of the most lethal offenses in the Patrick Mahomes-led Chiefs. Give me the 49ers to cover here. That was your typical Sportsbook Minute. For a limited time, new users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See Tipico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. All right. Bears, Patriots, Chicago, seven and a half point underdogs heading to Foxborough on Monday Night Football. I just don't think this is where the Bears need to be, Alyssa. I don't think they need another primetime spot uh, against Bill Belichick. I just don't think they need that. Um, now, they did have extra time to prepare for this one, right? They've They've been off since Thursday trying to heal up and get ready for this one. They've had extra time, but this game kind of fits a recent trend we've seen with the Patriots where they started one and three. They had to put in Bailey Zappi. We were just talking about him in the previous segment. They had to put him in due to injuries, but you know, they had the Lions come in. The Lions were this, you know, they had the number one offense in football, 35 points per game. Uh, bagel. Belichick humiliates Dan Campbell, shuts down Jared Goff, pitches a shutout. Patriots win that one in a shutout. Then the next week, we just talked about it. The Patriots crush the Lions. Bailey Zappi throws for 300 yards. Looks like Joe Montana. And Belichick basically coaches circles around Kevin Stefanski. Shuts down backup quarterback Jacoby Brissett. The Patriots just crush the Browns on the road to improve to 3-3. Three and three. They've only given up 15 points on defense in the last two games. And now it's Belichick versus Eberflus, right? Belichick versus Eberflus, Alyssa. Justin Fields looked kind of banged up after that game on Thursday night. Looked like he was in pain, sore. He's not playing good football right now, as we've been talking about. It just does not feel like a good spot for the Bears, does it? No, it doesn't. I mean, you look at history, and the Bears are 1-5 in five against Bill Belichick, and they've lost five straight against him. Uh, and I know that was with Tom Brady, but also credit has to be given. As we said, the previous segment, you know, Belichick is the GOAT, and, you know, he's going to find a way to... I think really make things difficult for the bears uh, on Monday night. And yes, now the entire world gets to see the bears suck again on prime time. <laughs> I mean, painful. it's one of those games where, I mean, I don't know, but I don't know, maybe after week one, when we had that false sense of hope, I guess, you know, right. Maybe looking ahead to this game, I'm like, yeah, maybe the bears will, will stand a chance. I mean, they played that smart disciplined football, which has just kind of gone by the wayside now as, as a whole. Um, and this is a game that I think is really concerning. I mean, you're on the road too in Foxborough, uh, prime time. Justin Fields, like you said, banged up. He said he re-aggravated a left shoulder injury, but he should be fine uh, heading into this game. And I mean, I mean, you never want to go against Belichick. I don't care if it's Tom Brady or Bailey Zappi or Mac Jones back there. I mean, this could be another long night for Bears fans. Just saying. It could. Belichick tends to frustrate young quarterbacks who are still trying to find their groove. He tends to do that. Yeah. Could be a tough game for Justin Fields, especially if his shoulder's not feeling good. I don't I don't like the Bears in this spot, Alyssa. I, I like the Patriots at minus seven and a half. But that's a lot of points. I don't think the Patriots are that good. I don't think I'm touching this line if it climbs past eight points or something. I'd probably leave it alone. But at seven and a half, seven, yeah. Yeah, I like the Patriots to win by a touchdown plus in this one, I think. But the good news is, you mentioned Brady, Mac Jones, or Zappi. It won't be Brady, Alyssa. That's good. Uh, it might be Mac Jones. Now, 
don't listen to everything you hear. Like a lot of people are just saying, hey, it's zappy fever in New England. Zappy mania. Everybody loves Bailey Zappy. Don't worry, be Zappy. Fans are really loving them some Bailey Zappy after he won two games. And look, I mean, it's every backup quarterback that wins becomes the, the fan favorite immediately. And, and Patriots fans love Zappy. But I would not be surprised at all if Mac Jones is the guy that gets the ball this week. I think he was close to playing last week. They actually, Zappy said on Boston Sports Radio that he, w- he didn't know he was starting against the Browns until Saturday. So, and, and Mac Jones made the trip. So I think his ankle injury is, is close. Whether they let him play, if he's not quite 100%, I don't know. Will he be 100% by Monday? Who knows? We'll have to f- watch the practice reports, right? But I, I wouldn't just, I wouldn't go to the bank with it being zappy. Let's put it that way. Could be Mac Jones. He hasn't played in three games. Coming off an ankle injury, Listen, if he does get the ball, you know, maybe there's a little bit of rust there. I don't know. I'm trying to talk myself into a Bears angle here. Maybe Jones starts. I think that's not out of the realm of possibility at all. And maybe he struggles. Who knows? Yeah, no, I was going to say, I think I think it would be more ideal for the Bears to go against Mac Jones and Bailey Zappi. I mean, Zappi's riding that momentum and momentum is a dangerous thing. Oh, you got and, the Zappi you know, fever Jones too, huh? Back the rust. You got the Zappi yeah, fever just that, like the Patriots fans uh, out here. I feel the Zappi, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I, man, he almost, they almost beat the Packers and they should have won that game too. Yep, like, I mean, yep. he should be like technically three and oh, I mean, no, he didn't start that game, but yeah, I think just like with Zappy, he's riding the momentum. I think Mac Jones, he was even struggling a little bit before, you know, suffering that, that high ankle sprain. Um, and then, like you said, the rust coming back. And I think that would benefit the bears pass rush, which has struggled a little bit this season. And I think this could be a game that really the defense can kind of, again, keep them in it close but like you said i mean as seven patriots and seven and a half i have to take that like you said if it goes above like maybe like eight or something like that i think i would i wouldn't take that yeah, just because yep. an all but one game this season the bears have one within uh within a one score game uh they kept a one score game despite things getting pretty ugly so and i think that's the mad eberflus effect so i mean i could see this being another one score game uh, and, uh, and somehow the Bears are going to find another heartbreaking way to lose, probably. So, uh, but I would definitely rather face uh, Mac Jones. And obviously, I think people want to see the Justin Fields Mac Jones angle. You know, Mac Jones has a chance to go out there and show the Bears, you know, what they are missing out on. But I mean, I think Mac Jones would have gotten killed uh, during his rookie season <laughs> behind this offensive line. So maybe yes. he's like, "Thank you, Chicago, for for passing on me." <laughs> well, he's getting killed behind the Patriots' offensive line. He's got That's this, true. That's this true. ankle injury. He he had uh, X rays on his back earlier this year. He got hit a ton last season during his rookie year. So yeah, I know he's he's taking his licks as well. It's just a tough spot for the for the Bears, as I said, at New England going against Belichick doesn't get any easier in Week Eight. You got to go to Dallas and play that. That might be the best defense in football. The way they get after the passer. Good luck, Justin, in that one. And then you got the Dolphins at home in week nine, Alyssa. This is a tough stretch. The Dolphins have a good defense as well. So this is a tough little three-week stretch, and Monday night's not going to be good. I, I, think the, I think the Bears are falling to two and five. I think that's where we can, that's where we can put our, our prediction here. Yeah, definitely. And like you said, that rough stretch coming up, I mean, there's a good chance the Bears lose six straight. You know, uh, they've lost three straight already. Um, and like you said, these next three games coming up, man, it's, it's, it's not pretty until the Lions yeah, out, yeah. So. Lions week, we could be talking about Tankathon. We'll be two and seven, maybe at that point, if they lose these three. Yes, and then they, when they play again at the end of the year, it's going to be like, okay, so who wants that top? Who wants to? Mm-hmm. You know, they're going to be jockeying for draft position at that point. So who wants it more? 
I feel for you, Bears fans. Yeah, I feel for you. It's going to be it's going to be a rough one, I think, for sure. Yeah, I feel for the fans. I feel for the listeners. Again, that we we just witnessed maybe the worst loss we've we've seen in a long, long time. That loss of the Commanders. Like Carson Wentz had a broken finger. He'd even throw for a hundred yards. The Bears were in the red zone, like like you said, three times. And would they get one field goal? Did they even get any points? I don't know. No, no, they no, no. They were they were they not only Zero inside points. the red zone, inside the five yard line three times, and that got zilch. Zero, which is just unheard of. <laughs> Unbelievable. So that was a rough only loss. Bears. It doesn't get any better. Not a great spot on Monday night, but we'll keep showing up every week, Alyssa, because we're professionals. We're gonna gonna keep showing up every week and just calling it like we see it, right? Exactly. That's all we can do, right? And we and we talked about this too before. You know, the start of this season, we were doing our off-season stuff. And one of the things we said is it's going to be ugly in 2022. But, you know, we're going to get through it so that we can get to 2023, which should hopefully be a lot better than this. 100%. It's a good place to be. You said earlier, $105 million in cap space going to the 2023. And you're not spending that on the quarterback yet. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of roster maneuver you can do there. A lot of roster uh, stuffing with, with good talent. If you pick the right guys, Ryan Pohl. So we'll be watching you. But first, we have to get through a football season. We're more than a third of the way through the regular season, Alyssa, if you can believe that already. We're freaking Ooh. week seven. Week seven. Uh, but Bears-Pats Monday night. It could be ugly, but it could be fun, too. I'm looking forward to it. I, again, as a Patriots fan who also does a, a Bears podcast, pretty fun little game for me, Alyssa. I'm looking forward to Monday night. Uh, but to the fans, again, thanks for joining us. Hit subscribe if you haven't yet. Tell a friend. We appreciate you for hanging on this long and listening to the whole way through. And Alyssa, you know how we'd like to sign off. As always, bear down. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.